Hey, I'm Noble. Thanks for checking out the message today. I'm so thankful that you're here and we would love to connect with you. An easy way to do that is you can text River Connect one word to 97000. You can also go through our website and find out more about us and see what we have coming up. Lastly, if you'd like to give to the River Church, you can text an amount to 84321 or you can go to the giving tab at the top of the page. I just want to thank you for being with us today and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye now. What's up Tuesday night? How are you guys doing? So uh, I hope you all are as pumped to be here as I am. Uh, As Pastor Justin said, my name is Mark Pittenger. I am the kids director at the Davison location of the River Church, so I was standing backstage just now, and I'm going, compose yourself, bring it together, you can't get crazy, you're not dealing with kids, but then I talked myself out of that, so Um, first off, I want to thank God, I want to thank the River Church, I want to thank Pastor Justin, and I want to thank all of you for being here tonight that I have this opportunity, and and, uh, as Pastor Justin said, we have a history of serving together, so when Pastor Justin was first brought on staff at the River Church all those years ago, there was a Wednesday night growth community for students, middle school, high school kids, it was called Fusion, and uh, he was brought on as the student pastor, so he kind of inherited this crazy Wednesday night growth community. That also happened to be the same time that I stepped in my first experience, my first role as a volunteer with the River Church. So we both kind of share our first kind of um, experience with the River Church was around this crazy wild Wednesday nights that we called Fusion. Um, but it, So it goes all the way back, and it's awesome to see how God brings everything full circle because he went on to do some stuff. I went on to graduate this year from Pastors Academy through the River Church, and now we both serve together on Sundays at the River Church in Davison. So I want, I want to take you from this lighthearted, this fun story. Now I want, I want to get into a little more heavy story. About seven years ago, I was sitting at my house, and I was sitting there with this guy who, um, his world was just just collapsing. And I mean, I, he had just lost a loved one. He, he, his marriage fell apart, and he lost his job. And this all happened within a matter of weeks. So, so we're sitting there, and we're having this conversation, and, and it was kind of like a, a vent session, or a, um, he was just, just pouring his heart out, just emptying his chest, getting rid of his stress, and I was, ju- you know, I was just there, um, but this was somebody that I really, truly love, that I, I cherish, uh, so, so I was there, and have you ever been in a situation where somebody, somebody comes to you for advice, And you just shoot straight, right? You don't tell them what they want to hear. You're honest with them. Even though it might be brutal, even though it might not be what they want to hear, you're honest with them. Well, that was this kind of conversation. 
He was, say, he was going on about this, and I deserve this, and, 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 and she did that. And I'm like, yeah, but have you ever? And then he would sidestep, and he would take the conversation this way, and I would say, but have you thought about? And he would take the conversation this way. And finally, it got to a point where, and I probably should have started with this, but the only advice I had left for him was, have you prayed about that? And of course, he didn't want to hear that, right? He goes, but, but she did this. To, and I'm like, well, have you prayed about that? Yeah, but, but they fired me and I shouldn't have lost my job. But have you prayed about that? And finally, he looks at me and he slams his hands and he goes, all that crap is fake. God isn't real. There is no hope. That's where that conversation ended. He ended that conversation at that point. And as he left, my heart ached. My heart hurt because I realized that he was heartbroken. He was lost. He was hopeless. If you have a Bible and you would like to follow, turn to John chapter 5. We're going to start right in the first verse. If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, uh, get, with, get with guest services, get with me, get with Pastor Justin, get with the volunteer table leaders. Um, we'll make that happen for you. We'll, we will get you a Bible. But if you turn into John chapter 5, um, I just kind of want to paint the picture for you. John chapter 5 starts with a story about a hopeless man and how this man goes from hopeless to hopeful when Jesus enters his life. Now, John chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going down, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Will you pray with me? Father, we just come to you tonight, Lord, and say thank you. Uh, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for giving us this opportunity to gather together in your name and dig into your word. Father, as we dig into your word, we, we pray that this is your message that is delivered, that, that you touch and you work in our hearts in a way that only you can. Father, you lead, you guide us through this message. We love you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
So we see here that John is painting us a picture in the first few verses. He's kind of building up the setting. He's he's giving us what the setting looks like. So as we go through this, as we describe this, as I explain these first few verses, I want you to, to, to actually like vision it. I want you to picture it, what he's explaining here. So the first verse says, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went to Jerusalem. So it's kind of a debated topic of what was this feast. Some say it was the feast of Passover. Some say it was the feast of Tabernacles. Either way, we know that in Jerusalem, it was on and popping because the party was going down, right? And Jesus was on his way there. Now, at the end of verse 4, Jesus had just healed the dying child in Galilee. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. So it says in verse 2 that in Jerusalem, there's a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda. Now, the, the, the translation of Bethesda means house of mercy. Isn't it cool? Isn't it awesome that Jesus heals this guy? He performs this miracle at the house of mercy. But it says the pool had five roofed colonnades. Now, a colonnade is just an old school, fancy word for a porch or a patio or a walkway. And it says that it was roofed. So think about this. Vision this. There's a pool. And around the pool, there's five covered or roofed patios or porches, right? And then it says, in these patios lay a multitude of invalids or or blind, lame, paralyzed, crippled, sick. And this word multitude here is translated as a great number. Most often it's looked at as anything over 100. So as we're visioning this, we're visioning this pool with these five patios, and in these five patios, there's hundreds of sick, crippled, blind, paralyzed people. So, going back to the vision, going back to painting this picture, you have all these people, all these, all these Jewish people gathering together for this party, all these people coming to Jerusalem to hang out, and then over here you have hundreds of sick people. Has anybody in here ever heard of Skid Row? Anybody? Downtown Hollywood? When I read this, that's where my mind went, because if you think about it, Over here, you have all these celebrities, you have all these rich people, you have all these money, you have all these people who are the people in culture, and just a few blocks away, you have what what is recorded as sometimes anywhere between 9,000 and 15,000 sick, paralyzed, crippled, homeless people. So when I read this passage, that's exactly where my mind went. Over here, you have the party going on. Everybody's living it up, and just, just a short distance away... You have all of these these people in need. So why are they hanging out around this pool? Well, it says uh, that the water gets stirred up. Now, the popular belief is that an angel comes every so often and he stirs up the water. The water becomes troubled. But the fact is that whoever 
was the first into this pool when the water was stirred would come out healed. But then we get into verse 5 where it really gets awesome. And it says one man was there who had been an invalid or had been sick for 38 years. Other versions of the Bible say it was a certain man. And then verse 6 starts, when Jesus saw him. So what made him stand out to Jesus? You guys familiar with Charles Spurgeon? Charles Spurgeon was a preacher from the 1800s who's still considered very influential in today's, uh, today's day. But Charles Spurgeon, speaking on this passage, said that a blindness had come over these people at the pool. There they were, and there was Christ. The very Christ who could heal them, but not a single one of them sought him because their eyes were fixed on the water. They were so taken up on their own chosen way of healing that the true way was neglected. Well, when thinking about this, I think about Black Friday. Like, just so focused on the goal. So focused on the prize. These people are focused on the water. And I've only experienced Black Friday once. And I said, never again. But there was literally people lined up. And they were, get, they were just ready. And they were just zoned in, tunnel vision, on this TV. And they're in a line. A whole bunch of them. And I'm standing behind them like, there's no way I'm getting that TV. So in my mind, I'm picturing that is how this guy feels. He says, I cannot get to the water before anybody else. It's quite possible that this this man had been completely hopeless. He completely lost hope. While all of the other ones, they were still holding on to hope. They were still holding on to the thought that they could be the first in that pool, that that water was going to save them. Not realizing that the real salvation, the real Savior was walking through. So the man has become hopeless because he's basically been guaranteed that he will always be the last to the pool. Matthew 19.30 says, Many who are the first will be last, and many who are last will be first. This is Jesus talking here. See, all those people over there partying, living it up, all these people who are totally focused on the wrong thing. And this guy here, he's just he's he's completely lost hope. He he knows that there's no way. And Jesus says, Nope, the last will be first. Not only that, but he's been sick for 38 years. Imagine being stuck in this situation for 38 years. On top of knowing that what you believe is the only way to get healed, you have no chance at. I think it's safe to say this guy was completely hopeless. He was probably at the lowest point of his life. 
You ever felt like that? You ever felt like you were at rock bottom? Like you'll always be the last? Like you could never get better? Like there's just something about me. I have to ask you, what are you focused on? Are you focused on the problems? Is there a little bit of self-pity that creeps in? Why me? How come everything happens to me? How about a little self-doubt? I can't do this. There's no way I don't see an end. Or maybe you're focused on your own solutions. You don't need help. You'll figure it out eventually. You'll do just enough or just what you have to do to get to the next step. And then we'll figure it out from there. And, 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 and normally, that just becomes a vicious circle where you just go backwards and you go backwards one step forward, two steps backwards. Jesus seeks the least, the last, the hopeless. That's why this certain man stood out to Jesus. But then the story takes a turn, and Jesus. Jesus asks him, Do you want to be healed? Jesus gave him a choice. Do you want to be healed? Some versions of the Bible say, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? We often hear in the Christian community, there's a hole in our heart. We're born with this void that we're always looking to fill. There's a void in our heart. Most often, we seek drugs. We seek alcohol. We seek sex. We seek pornography. We seek you fill in the blank. But nothing fills that void. When all along, it's Jesus. Jesus fills that void. I heard, I heard an analogy for this. Um, you all remember those toys? There's like a circle. It's plastic for babies. But there's like different shaped holes. There's like a square hole and a triangle hole and a, and a circle hole. But then the baby picks up the star-shaped toy and tries sticking it in all these holes, trying to fit it in. And it just won't fit because it's not the right shape. That void, that hole in our heart is only Jesus' shape. And he's right there. He's right there. If you seek his help, he's ready. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I think when you've, when you've hit rock bottom, when you're at that hopeless point in life, you're in a time of need. And the author of Hebrews tells us to draw near to the throne of grace. But it don't stop there. In James chapter 4, verse 8, James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 
He's there. Do you want to be made whole? It's in your, the ball's in your court. And then 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The NLT version, which I, I like in this verse, says, give all your worries and your cares to God for he cares about you. Going back to that conversation, have you prayed about it? I'm hearing what you're saying. We all have issues that we're going through. But have you prayed about it? Because he's right there. Jesus is right there ready to help. And what's awesome is when you make that choice, Jesus says, okay, you've done your part. You've made the choice. I've got this. He says, uh, you don't have to do it yourself. As a matter of fact, you can't do it yourself. But I can. And knowing that, knowing that fact that Jesus has our back like that, that should give you all the hope you need. Now this message may have seemed kind of pointed, maybe a little direct. But often it takes us getting to a low point in life to see this. It takes us hitting rock bottom because when you hit rock bottom, you can look left, you can look right, you could spin in circles all day long. When you're at rock bottom, the only way to look is up. And when you realize that the only way to look is up, you may find yourself Reminded of the story of Peter and when he walked on water and he began to sink. And the Bible says that as he sank, he looked up and there was Jesus with his hand reached out. Like I said, quite often it takes us hitting that rock, rock bottom. It takes us hitting that low point. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3, It's the start of the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, and it's preached by Jesus. And Matthew 5 starts with what is called the Beatitudes. And Jesus is teaching the disciples what it looks like to be a follower, what it looks like to be a disciple. And the first step that he says is is verse 3 says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit, the hopeless, those at rock bottom, those with no other way, those standing at the back of the swimming pool, knowing that they have no chance to get in that water. That we have to realize that we can't do it on our own. We have to realize that we have to look up. And when we look up and we see Jesus reaching his hand out, we have to reach back and grab it. We have to give Jesus our faith. Nobody else can take you to the house of mercy. 
but Jesus. Now as pointed and as direct and as in your face as I've been tonight, I want you all to realize that just because I'm up here, it doesn't mean that I don't need Jesus any less than you do. We all need Jesus. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 that none are righteous. No, not one. Not one of us. None of us. We all fall short. But then it goes on in Romans chapter 5. And it said that God shows his love for us. John 3.16 tells us that God loved the world so much. He loved us so much that he sent his son. And Romans 5.8 says that he sent his son that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If we're at that low point, if you're at that low point, but you're ready You're ready to look up because you have nowhere else to look. You're ready to look up and see Jesus reaching down, and you're ready to reach. The Bible tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Amen. Jesus did it. Jesus can take you to the house of mercy. Jesus can take you from the back of that colonnade, from the back of that porch where you have no hope, and say, you know what? Let's skip the line. Let's skip the pool. You just come with me. So I ask, I'm up here, and hopefully... I'm giving you all some hope. But think about this. Could Jesus want you to use you to give somebody else hope? I believe he does. Absolutely. Each and every one of you. If you wake up every day that you open your eyes and you see that there's another day dawned on your life, God's not done with you. He still has a plan. He's still there, and he's waiting on you to grab his hand. I'm going to wrap it up. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. Let us consider how how can we stir up one another? How could you, how could I be that beacon of hope that Jesus needs to use? Let me rephrase that. That Jesus wants to use to give hope to somebody else. You could literally be the only person to share Jesus with somebody else. Are you going to answer that call? 
Jesus can and he will take you from hopeless to hopeful. We just have to choose him. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for tonight. Um, We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for your spirit, and we thank you for your leading us. Father, I pray that that your message touched somebody's heart and that, that, that we realize that it's only in you that we can go from hopeless to hopeful. Father, I pray that, that, that your spirit is working in the hearts tonight. I pray that you're guiding and you're leading the people who hear this message, not only in the building, but online also. Father, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate source of hope. Without him, we would all be hopeless. So, Father, I just thank you. We love you, we honor you, and we lift this up to you. In the mighty yet precious name of Jesus, amen. Hey, thank you all.